Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to Season 4, Episode 5 of The Psychologists Are In. I'm Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Ombudson. And this week, we are joined by executive producer Kelly Kolchak to talk about the incredible episode, Sean Gets the Yips. The one where after a well-known police bar is shot up in an apparent robbery, Sean realizes the shooter was targeting one of the cops, specifically the one who just so happens to be the co-host of this podcast. (laughs) Also, we love Kelly so much. Enjoy! Kelly, you were, if I remember correctly, from the early stories of our, like, first Steve Franks episode, and, like, you were the messenger, You were the one that was like, hold, like, here's the idea. You were like, wait, 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 this is good. Hold, please. Let me go over here and make some shit happen. (laughs) Well, Steve came in. It was like my first week on the job, I think, you know, because I'd been working uh, at David Letterman's company. And um, I feel like when I bring up David Letterman, it's like I'm... (laughs) Hanging up Ed Sullivan. It's so long ago. You know well, they I had mean? the same theater. Like people are like, who's David Letterman? Um, although he's amazing no, and a national yeah. treasure. And yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, absolutely. But so I I'd been, you know, I I I left Letterman and and sort of like the comfortable job and sort of jumped into running this company, this sort of startup company, and and uh and the Which first was called which was called Tagline. Of um, course. I knew that. I just wanted to share that with the audience. Yeah, Tagline. And um, like the first meeting that I had that week was with Steve. And Steve is a feature guy, right? Like he came from features. He'd done, he dabbled in television, but, you know, he came from features. And so he comes in with like 20 ideas because that's what you do. And it's like, you know, Star Wars meets ordinary people, you know, it's that kind of thing. And he's going oh down God. the list. I love that And at that the script. very end of it, he said, you know, and I have this one idea. It's a television idea. It's um, a psychic detective who's not really psychic. And I was like, I can sell that. And I knew it. I knew that that elevator pitch, that one liner would get me in every room. And it did. It was the easiest call to make to be like, hey, who wants to hear this idea? Like everybody wanted to hear that idea. Um, yeah. And, and you've heard this a million times how, you know, Steve is a giant six foot eight monster. And, you know, all these <laughs> development executives had these little teeny petite rooms. And he was like acting out every scene. And, you know, Wait, everybody was like, <laughs> no, yeah, we did yeah, not hear thing. those stories. Oh, we heard, oh. we've, we've, we've heard like Steve's version, which honestly is kind of ex- everything you just said, which was like, you guys had this like pitch meeting. And then he was like, you know, I have this other thing. And it was kind of like, but I did wait, hold on. Explain the acting out of scenes in the pitches. Oh, 
Well, you know what, Steve, you directed you guys. Of course. You just know. I know. So I just want to hear you tell it. Everything. I mean, he acted out the entire, and you're in these little teeny, and it was mostly women. It was like, you know, uh, all the heads of development were almost all women, with the exception of USA was the only right. male that we'd actually pitched to. And, um, you know, of course, he's six foot eight, and he's in these little teeny rooms with these little fluffy pillows, and he's like jumping around, and you know what I mean? And just knocking over potted plants, I assume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you do with this? Um, and then I think the genius move is when we went to USA, uh, it was a conference room and it was Bill McGoldrick, um, who we all yeah. know and love. And yeah. um, so he had room to sprawl, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I credit Bill McGoldrick because he was our champion. He was the passionate guy. Um, I thanked him every year when we got picked up because he was the one that bought it and and um, helped kept keep it alive and, and was passionate, was a fan and um, yeah. It seemed so simple. It was like, oh, we pitched a show. They bought it. We wrote a script. They liked it. They picked it up to series. It broke records. It seemed like this was the greatest first executive producing experience I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet it's like a miracle for all of those oh, things Oh, it's a miracle. Because I was actually developing a, a pilot. I had a pilot the same time with Carlos Jacon at NBC. <gasps> and so I was producing two pilots at the same time. And let me tell you something, one was <laughs> unicorns and puppies, and that was psych, and the other one was hell and damnation, and that was uh, with Carlos. Nothing to do, uh, I mean, Carlos's script was brilliant, and it was just, you know, you didn't find the right cast, and it right. was just, you know, this one was just lightning in a bottle of magic. Oh, gosh, Almost. that's what we always Until say. Until we, we hired Maggie, it. then it was lightning in a bottle. Then it, then, oh, <laughs> I was about to say, and then it fell apart. No, no. Oh, Kelly, it's so, it's just so good to see you. I, for like all of our listeners, Kelly has, as you can tell from like, uh, just the few seconds she's been on the podcast already has the most infectious like excitement. Like she she pays attention. I remember there'd be times you would come up to me on set like in the early days when I was like a little of like timid and not entirely sure what's going on. And you picked up on everything. And you would bring things up to me before I could even be like, am I feeling this way? I'm not really sure. Do I want to bring this up? You'd come over and you'd be like, what's on your mind? What's on your, like, she's just had this intuitive way of always knowing what was going on. But then this like, like childlike excitement, similar to Steve, but like just, you know, the feminine version of that, I guess that was just like. Slightly like, shorter. Slightly shorter. Oh, but, we would a, always about get a foot so shorter. What did you say? A foot shorter? About oh, a foot okay. shorter, which no. was nice because I could More look Kelly than. in the eye, which was yeah. giving notes. <laughs> when we I was yelling so at you excited. for chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, I still say that's what got me the job. My chewing Gosh. gum beat. Toothpick. Yeah, I think you had a toothpick. I don't think you were chewing gum when you picked. I think you had a toothpick when you were. Did you have gum when you auditioned or was it a toothpick? Uh, it was gum. I'm almost positive. I it was gum. Not that it was makes- gum. That makes sense. I could totally see that. Yeah, last Ke- chewing gum, like, which I really wanted to continue. And then out. Kelly hated this beat of last chewing gum all the time. Well, no, it wasn't is- that. It was editing. I want to sit you in an editing room and then try That's to true. match your takes whenever you're in between shoes. Okay. And I was just like, what is he doing to us? Okay. But you were so, you were all fair, about fair the point. props. Tim loved. And then we realized, oh, we just give him his gun. <laughs> that's what makes right. him happy in every scene. So if we had yep. a gun that he could pull at some point, that's what made Lasseter happy. That's what made Tim and happy. You, you and you made your actor very, you made yep. your actor very happy very soon. The whole string of gun. <laughs> There's prop comedians. Well, I'm a prop actor. 
So good. And didn't you yeah. guys have to take classes or something to how to hold your gun? Because there's a lot of gunplay in this episode that we're oh. about to talk about. A lot of gunplay. Um, Major. We actually and you guys did. Were I mean, so good. You got the hold all the way. It's <laughs> so impressive. We did, we've talked about it quite a bit. Just our our training. We had a couple of different random experiences training, um, but we had one that took place in Chilliwack with Clive. Um, who that was might original. have involved a very expensive traffic ticket. Traffic ticket that we have talked about a lot on this For uh, podcast. Margaret Cassidy Lawson. The 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 sweet the sweet officer said I like you were I I want to let you guys go but you were actually going so fast I can't <laughs> I can't I will never forget Maggie not, echoing oh yeah that's way too fast that was I was just as look I mean there was no way around it which is I was going too fast but anyway yes Kelly to answer your question we had uh, we had quite a bit of training actually and. Um, and a lot of, you know, I mean, for us, I always loved uh, the amount of care around the safety, um, yeah. a gun, the gun safety on our on our show. It was like, you know, so when we get to that gun range, Clive opens up a duffel bag of weapons. And as awesome as Maggie Lawson is, if you have not seen Maggie shoot a uh, a sawed off pistol grip shotgun, <laughs> then you all are missing out because somebody goes a little hardcore. <laughs> look, look, I was in character yeah, and yeah. I was trying to be as believable as possible. And that day I was, you know, I stepped into a little method acting, I think. Wait a minute, was, was, that it, the, was it that was the story house episode, right? That you had the shotgun, was that the one? Where it's you, um, like Mina, it's um, uh, the first, uh, the third Yang? I believe. Right. Is it the third one? Yeah, because the second one is Hitchcock and Mr. Yin Presents. And right. then the third one, um, I have the battle with Mina Suvari uh, round I thought, one. I right? thought it was one of the movies. No, the battle with Mina, the first battle with uh, with uh, Allison Callie, your your wife's, uh, the character name for your, your wife, um, <laughs> is in the third of the Yang trilogy in the series, which is why she comes back for revenge in the first movie. Yeah. So, uh, but that was, um, that was, that moment was joyful for me. <laughs> and it showed, it but that, that was not a sawed off shotgun. That was, that was a full that barrel. That was a full shotgun. Yeah. Cause it, cause I, it was the, yeah. the awesome one headed rack. You, you get in that one. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. just Sublime. I remember awesome. James coming up and saying to me, "Are you comfortable with this? Like, do you think you can do it with one hand?" And, and I he said, "Watch just this." I remember just looking at him and being like, <laughs> "What? Did you really just ask me that?" No, I don't uh, know if you know this, but I'm Maggie Lawson. Come I, on. <laughs> yeah, this is very funny. I love that we are off on this topic, <laughs> Kelly. Yes. Yes, we did. We absolutely, uh, we did training because th there was a lot. Oh my gosh, the shootout. I mean, we'll get to the episode. I was with you. I wrote down like the major gunplay in this episode, which was actually really very well choreographed and very yeah. cool. Like yeah. we, I thought Oh, that's my opening. professional notes too. Hmm? All the guns. My professional notes is there's <laughs> something about massive gunplay. These are my professional notes. Yes. Um, Kelly, wait. So I want to hear <laughs> if you remember mm -hmm. anything, uh, if you remember the, well, gosh, I feel like I would have so many questions about episodes where 
you had to either fight for stuff, Nick's stuff, you know, someone <laughs> loved, like all those hard things. Yes, Tim. <laughs> uh, sorry, before we hop into um, questions for Kelly. Yes. Which is a great part of another um, amazing uh, segment of the show. Questions oh, for yes, Kelly. Oh, yes, of course. Of course, But um, I, have a, I have a statement about Kelly. So I remember, Kelly, when I first met you after the audition, which, by the way, I thought you were the casting director walking. I didn't, you were, um, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know who the casting director was. I mean, I'd never met the casting director before. So to see this awesome, powerful woman standing at the, sitting at the table, I'm thinking, well, that's going to be the casting director. But um, after I got the job, yeah, I got the job. We're being at LAX and seeing you at LAX because we were both flying up to Vancouver, obviously, to, to shoot our television show. And running into you in the bar, in one of the bars in LAX, Sydney didn't have any beer with you. I'm like, basically going, okay, who the hell are you? What's your story? And, <laughs> and you told me like your pedigree of places you had worked, like all the shows you'd worked on in Fox. I was like, oh, okay, this woman knows what she's doing. Sign me up. That was, you have a very impressive resume, my friend. Oh. Yeah. And you brought all that awesomeness and uh, incredible talent and knowledge to our little show and made it so much better. I agree. I remember too. I remember being like a little intimidated to meet you uh, just because of your res. Just, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, Kelly Kolchak or whatever. And you're, I think that was another part of it. Like you're the most disarming, like fun, approachable, like none of the, all those things that you might have in your head about like, I'm nervous to meet somebody you literally put out immediately upon meeting you. Like yeah. the greatest. I was greatest just starstruck. I, I really was, I, I, you know, I, I mean, Tim, obviously, you know, we were huge Deadpool fans, not Deadpool, um, Deadwood fans. And so, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just like, I, and, and both of you brought such incredible, unique takes to the role. I mean, we just knew instantly when we saw you guys, it was like, yes. And yes, there was no doubt about it, uh, of mm. how talented and amazing you were. And, and I have to say, I think, the success of any of us is that if you start to become cynical and lose your love for this business and lose, you know, working mm -hmm. around incredible talent and just sort of what a gift that is, mm -hmm. you know, you should check out because this is such a magical, magical world that you've got to have some sort of joy to step into it and keep it relevant. And, and I think that's why, you know, Steve is so fantastic because he always comes from a place of passion, you know, and goodness, yeah. there's such, he's so good. You yeah, know? but you, yeah. Just, you said the right yeah. word though. And, yeah. Because you and Steve are the opposite of cynical. Yeah. yeah. Like you were the polar opposite of that word. Yeah. There's like an innocent, I was just said the word wonder because I feel like that makes it, there is still a, uh, discovery, joy, uh, joyful enthusiasm is what I would go with. Enthusiasm, all those things, absolutely. And that's the that was the thing. Like even even on days I was my most nervous on those first like few episodes, I was sort of stepping into this new cast and the you know who all kind of knew each other a little bit. You were there, and I remember you just were you just you you were di everybody did it. Everybody was a little bit like different like there was a way we were all kind of used to doing things and it was like wow this is special this feels different not yeah. that any of that was bad it just was more like there was just some something was happening and everybody yeah. was on the same page you just well, knew I mean, it, you just you, you, you got may the have sense you may have had a way of doing things maggie but i think this is one of my first yeah. pilots i ever did so i didn't know what the uh, hell i was doing right i was such a rookie in terms of getting like serious contract work yeah so you may have said this different i was like I'm just happy to be here and 
don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> and you could tell. That's what I mean. We were all kind of in the same place of just like, and you know, I think we still have it. I think all of oh. us still have that same, like, as you said, I don't know that anybody's taken any sort of cynical. I mean, I not that I don't know. I do know, like, no one has taken a cynical turn, even in all the, all of the things that have that have happened. It's really, it's really something. Totally agree. Yeah. That's so lucky. Wait, we have to like do our little intro first off. Kelly, you look amazing. Tim, you look insane. Every, every we look, it's we we look good. And Tim, I have to ask you, are you ready to podcast the shit out of it? <laughs> Maggie Lawson, I am so ready to podcast the shit of it because we have our dear friend Kelly Kolchak here. Finally, we got Kelly to come Finally. guest with play with us. Kelly, are you ready to podcast the shit out of it? I am ready. Absolutely. You guys, we've actually been podcasting the shit out of it for a little while, but we didn't do our like normal little intro. So we were yeah. going to give you guys that and we'll launch into the episode. But I still, Kelly, I yeah. can't imagine. And this might just be the first of many you have to do so that you can tell all of these stories. But like... You know, you had a hard job because you would know, like, Steve's in love with an idea. James is in love with an idea. Like, and then you would also have the network being like, no way in hell or or that's too expensive or like, and you, ha you know, you and Chris and, and having to deal with going back and forth. And that's, I was going to ask you if you had any, any absolute heartbreak stories that you were like, oh man, I cannot believe I have to go back and say they can't do this right now or, or anything that you were like, oh, this was the worst position to be in. Cause it was tricky, especially in this episode, this episode has a lot of guns. It's yeah. like, it's, it's a, it's a, I would imagine there were probably parts of this too on the other side when it was being pitched or whatever that you're like, how we'll never, how, how are we going to get away with this? It was a, well, it was a new director for our show. What's that? It was a new director for our show. Tanya never done oh, an Tanya. episode of Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she has great, she came from great genes because she's, oh. um, I think, Stephen Kyle's kid, right? Like, she so, is. You know, um, I, I don't think that gun player in that action was foreign to her in any way, shape, or form. She came it to play, it. for sure. I think the hardest part for the network, and for us, actually, was the coverage that she did in the restaurant um, when <laughs> Lassiter starts trying to shoot at that guy you know the bad guy in the beginning and i think that we were like wow there's a lot of rounds being fired i thought he was a better shot than that you know what i mean because he doesn't I mean, make I, it dead and i think I we were two like nine millimeters. we gotta I pull emptied, that back i emptied back. i emptied two clips into this into this that side of the restaurant and even though it's like there was a the lot. guy comes in we're like what is he doing like he shows no last year doesn't see a weapon he just sees a figure and sean says <laughs> there's a bad guy here and last year immediately pull gets up pulls out Two handguns and, and empties both clips into into the wall. Bad crowded restaurant. It was it was a, there was a lot of um, back and forth on that. That's for sure. That's in a crowded sure. restaurant, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, could, I could yeah, totally yeah. see and, that. And I think for good reason. But you know, the thing about it is, is and the thing that we always could pull is that this is a heightened comedic drama, right? Yeah. Like things that are, to say the least. So you always had a little bit of wiggle room where you could do something that felt a little bigger yeah. um, than normal. But I think that was, I think it was hard because I would always argue from a character standpoint, you know, I don't want to hit that guy, you know, and they're like, no, it's funnier if he doesn't. And, you know, obviously the story can't happen if he does hit him. Right. So we got to right. move forward. So yeah, that was probably the biggest thing that Steve and I, and the writers always the best discussion that we would have. Cause right. I would always try to go for 
dramatic and real and whatever. And it would always get thrown out the window if there was a comedy. It's just like, it's a comedy. And they were right. 99% (laughs) of the time they were right that that we have to lean into the comedy because that's what makes the show so unique, right? Was but it, we were it wasn't even a dramedy. It was a comedra, I would say. A comedra. I never a heard comedra. that term before. I haven't even heard that. Comedra. And I, I you love it. You just made it. up that a new phrase that we've never heard. I know. Guys, did you hear it? You're hearing it. You're hearing it on the psychologists are in first. This is an exclusive. So in the it's 90s, the there were a lot of dramedies. This was a comedrama. Is that what you just said? Comedra. It was a comedra. It was much more comedy than it was drama. It didn't start out. Well, that's not true. It, the, if the pilot... The pilot had more dramatic moments in it than than the series did because you had his issue was with his dad, you know. Yep. At some point, they thought they were responsible for some guy being dead, you know. At it, you know, there was there was a lot more to it and emotion to it. Um, and then, you know, you find the show as you go. I think you find that series, and you both have been on different series. You find it like not in the second or third episode, but like. Five and six are like the magic to be like, this is it. This is the tone. This is what we're going for. I think even for you as actors, I'll bet your character, you slip into, oh, now I know how this um, how yeah. this works and how does this play, where the nuances well, are. Well, we know with Maggie, it was when she put on the heels and I put on the shoulder holster. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we start, yeah. I started to actually feel, I remember at first even being, and I've talked about this on here, just being like, I'm wearing a suit I'm a serious detective. I'd like come off of a couple of comedies and I was 25, 26 and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like really start getting used to this. And then you're right. It was sort of like midway through season one where I started to feel like, oh, right. This is now, now I, I, I don't feel like Juliet unless I'm wearing a suit. Sorry. And also your default naturally is, um, effervescence and joy and sunshine. So to suddenly have to be like that tough cop, tough cop gal. Which I love. Required this thing called <laughs> acting. Which we got to do in this one. Oh, yeah. There was some tough we, cop, st- cop stuff in this one, for sure. Is, Should we so, dive in, you guys? Yeah, oh, but Kelly, I, I, I have a new uh, title for Kelly. Rather than just executive producer, I'd say Kelly was chief cat wrangler. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a very so good true. title. I'll take it. <laughs> we saw a kitty just walk through, actually. I know. Speaking of cats. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. All right. Oh, we were, we, were just, we were twinsing and I took off my hat. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. You took off my, Oh, yeah. Do we have do you have your psychology? Yay. I was thinking, I, I was I, showing my gray to um in solidarity with uh Kelly's amazing silver gorgeous. Gorgeous head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous room. Okay, let's dive into the episode, you guys, and then chime in, chime in with your uh, with your memories, notes, or anything fun. Okay, uh, this is episode five. Sean gets the yips. Written by Kel Cahoon and Bill Callahan. Directed <laughs> by Tanya McKiernan. All right. Okay. Oh, I did. I did get one of these. Wow. There's a couple of pineapple sightings. Okay, pineapple sighting. Tim, did you get? Uh, I'm gonna say uh, no because I, I, I honestly I don't even bother looking anymore. I'm just too busy enjoying the episodes. Because Devin Devin will find it for us. Okay, on Gus's nightstand there is a pineapple behind his alarm clock. I saw that, and there is a pineapple on a tombstone in the graveyard. Devin, wow. good eye. Whoa, that's impressive. That's some hardcore that's- 
Pineapple sighting, Devin. That's some good sleuthing. Okay, cold <laughs> open. It's 1989. Henry sets up a shooting target poster with a with a catcher's mitt carefully pinned on top. He teaches Sean about the most important rule of playing second base, which is the footwork. After perfectly completing his first move, Henry teaches Sean a new move where Sean throws the ball perfectly into Henry's car windshield. Cut to present time. Sean. Of course, this and- was well after, um, I believe, Corbin had starred in Major League Two, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Just the, the baseball synchronous, synchronicity. Synchronicity right there. Cut to present time. Sean and the gang are out celebrating an SBPD softball game victory at a well-known cop bar, which I thought was just, I loved this about us anyway. I thought this was such a cute little bonding thing. Sean mentions he has the yips, but Lassie retorts back, it's called the sex. It should be called the sucks. It should be called the sucks, which I wrote down. Why has this not become more, like we have like, I'd rather shower with a bear. We have like a lot of Lassieisms, but <laughs> this, uh, it should be called the sucks, in my opinion, is one of the most classic Lassiter lines ever. I thought it's it was great. It's the greatest bonus of having Cal Cahoon and Bill Callahan, who both cut their teeth on half hour, nine jokes a page comedy. They just brought it to this episode. I mean, really I brought it. They did a great job. There was a lot of very dry humor in it. Uh, Tim. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was I was giving a beatnik snap for Kel and Bill. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes, exactly. Kel and Bill. So good. Such good Okay. Writers. Sean asked the waitress for his pizza chili cheese fries, a.k.a. the Sean Spencer. The gang are also celebrating McNabb's birthday. So cute. But as the waiters bring out his cake, Sean spots a hooded man by the register with a bulge in his jacket. He runs over to Lassie for help, but Lassie keeps singing happy birthday, which, which I, of I got, course, sorry, I got to stop you. I got to interrupt you. When, when it's a, it's close up shadow delay hitting that first happy note, yep. which brings, we've told the happy birthday story on this podcast before, right? We can tell it again because I wrote it down too. I was like, this is just such a funny thing because this is exactly how it went in real life. Always. <laughs> with the so, long ha. Yeah, it's when there was a guest star that we loved or someone in particular we loved and they were wrapped, we would sing um, Happy Birthday. It always happened with, it started with Marco Ciccone, usually hitting that first note of that big elongated ha, and then we'd all know, and then the entire crew would join in this, which I gotta say, our friend, our mutual friend, Rob Benedict has heard me tell the story many times and he always goes, I never got the happy birthday when I rapped. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. so it wasn't well, always for everyone that we loved but in particular but it took me back when sing Dulay hit that opening note in this particular yeah. scene really made me go oh that's that's our show that's our episode i mean that's what we do there's a crazy nostalgia in that for us and, for and sure. i think and you probably know this because you've been on enough shows <laughs> i look at it as a producer where i went oh, are we actually singing happy birthday that's so expensive because it used to be <laughs> Like oh, right. $150,000 for that song. But then there was, I think, obviously, Public domain because or something. we used it and we sang it a couple of times in this, um, it went into uh, public domain. So we didn't yeah. have to pay for it anymore. So you should just see an entire Crazy. group of shows. Was oh, it now like, public domain? I didn't know out. that. Yeah. Crazy. We sang Crazy. it all the time on set. I know. So I know. That's when Sean mentions a loaded gun. Lassie tells Sean to move, grabs his two guns, and begins a shoot-off. Only for the perp to run off. <laughs> Kelly is already laughing. 
Faraday is a family brand founded by Alex, his wife Carrie, and his twin brother Mike that channels their love of the beach lifestyle into clothing for life's greatest moments. Faraday is passionate about craftsmanship, comfort, and sustainability. Their ongoing partnership with Native designers supports Native communities while helping end appropriation in fashion. Every piece is designed to be a lifetime favorite, and if anything happens along the way, Faraday will replace or fix your clothes for a life, no matter what. Layer up this winter with their best-selling legend sweater shirts for men, women, and kids recycled high pile fleece jackets, and new frost sweaters. I love this brand so much. I feel like even over time, it gets better. It starts to feel like it was made for you. I am completely obsessed. It's like super easy, uh, laid back, that sort of beachy feeling they talk about, but it looks really good. And it kind of just like highlights all your best features. I'm telling you, you guys, I love it. And it's, and also you can just tell it's so well-made. Faraday is giving all psychologists, our in listeners, an amazing deal. 20% off your order. Did you hear that? Head to faritybrand.com slash Maggie and use code Maggie at checkout to get this deal. That's code Maggie at Faherty, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com slash Maggie for 20% off. Faritybrand.com slash Maggie. I have a photo of this somewhere with, um, it's one of my favorite pictures. It's, it's the most quintess- one of the most quintessential Lassiter pictures I have in my hard drive somewhere. Lassiter holding both his Glocks and the flame shooting out because when you fire mm-hmm. a gun, obviously there's, there's a flame that comes oh, out. The, the muzzle uh-huh. flash, as they call it, technically. Yeah. So cool. la- two-gun two Lassiter here. Two-gun Lassiter. Doesn't hit him. Doesn't hit anything. Thank Mrs. God. Mrs. Totally just breaks all the windows. Somehow doesn't notes. kill a civilian. I have notes. <laughs> Kelly, I have notes. I have notes. And then the chief shows up, and I'm not <clears throat> suspended for this gross no. Um, no. dereliction of duty. Right. It's like, because it's, it's, it's the comedy. It's a comedra. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. Yeah. And by the way, Kirsten, come on. Can we I just know, take a moment? I'm so talk about a girl crush. She is just the it's best. Very crushable. I, talk about hurting cats. Like always trying to keep control of the craziness that's going around her, and she just crushes it. She's amazing. Yeah, Kirsten does. was just playing you. Still oh, I know. Basically, I know. Yeah, she's With, playing we Kelly. Gotta, we got to point out the rocked collar, the popped rocked collar. Always. In a black, in a totally non-color, she's wearing a black blouse with the collars out to here, looking uh, awesome as she uh, always does. Yeah. Perfect. She looks, uh, Perfect. she looks fantastic. And she does just come in and like takes, takes control. Um, yeah. Okay. The cops think it was an attempted robbery, but Sean says the man came there specifically to kill one of them. Back at the police station, Sean mentions he thinks the shooter will try again, but if they can figure out which one of them was the target, it will give them a clue to the man's identity. Henry then storms into the station, making sure Sean is all right and nagging him on why he didn't pick up his phone. Sean says it was because he was eating a banana, but he at least (laughs) thought of his dad because he's his big papa bear monkey. Wait, that was the cutest Yeah, not, but you miss, yeah, he goes, you're my big papa monkey, where in our, in our text thread, we always call Corbin, Corbin's nickname for us is papa bear. So I I thought that was kind of a psychoanalytic-ish moment where he says, big old papa monkey. And also, I uh, his Corbin's delivery 
was you ate a banana. Uh, Cor Corbin's delivery of you ate a banana was one of my favorite things when <laughs> Dulé says, or, or Gus says, yes, uh, he, he ate a banana. He's like, you ate a banana. Oh, it's very good. We always also, said we love the idea that everybody's in a drama, but Sean and Gus are in a comedy. And that's what made it perfect is that everything that they say is ridiculous and hilarious. And the people around them are just like, you ate a banana. It's like they're, they're not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. Hang on. You, 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 Kelly, that was such an amazing point. You've got to repeat that. Oh, that, that Sean and Gus were in a comedy and everybody else was in, in a drama? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is that is some incredible insider insider right there, kids. Yeah, that is actually no yeah. one has said that, but that is exactly the that is true. We were yeah. all in a drama. Yeah, they were in a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, speaking of comedy, the <laughs> I wrote down there's like so the chief cause so uh, chief comes in and she's the restaurant. I was like, are we are all these people still in the restaurant eating? Just waiting. Like I wrote down restaurant business as usual. <laughs> Meanwhile, the windows are like shot out. The chief is there. We're like, you know, we need, she's like, okay, we need to interview everybody who was here. And I'm like, okay, so we just kept everyone here because this is obviously a crime scene. But if you look in the background, everyone's just sort of business as usual. Like we're well, having a grand old time. Picking broken glass out of their, out of their salads. Yes. Because last time you just shattered glass everywhere. <laughs> it was, it was actually kind of funny. Um, okay. Uh, Chief Vic introduces a psychologist that the cops can speak to after their traumatic event at the bar and Sean pulls her aside. Yes. Okay. So we're back. The SBPD. Yeah. Last hitter for some reason is still in his softball uniform. Yes. <laughs> for so long. And O'Hara so is in, is in, uh, is in, you're wearing a lovely sweater that is Lawson Lilac. Lawson Lilac for a while, actually. But oh, you're that's wearing a the, sweet you're one, the Tim. I like Lawson Lilac. I will tell you the most uh, fun and depressing moment was at the end of the series. We got to go into wardrobe. I hope USA is listening. <laughs> we got into a wardrobe and we were like, oh, we get to it. I was like, I'm going to go. I love everything that Maggie, nothing fit. I, everything I put in, I was like, oh, she's a size negative four. This works oh my perfectly. God, please stop I did, I did snag one of your uh, rain jackets. And oh, the I had good rain jackets. Dulé's Hogwarts, Hogwarts robes that you wore. Still in my closet. Love it. Oh, that was my that very amazing. Favorite. So good. It was legit. It was a legit robe. It was a legit. That's robe. so good. It's so funny. Yeah. I don't. I didn't take too many things. Although I do wear my trench coat in this one. At the end, you, because I, it was funny. I remember like talking about it with everybody and being like, "We got our, we got a few things that we loved that were like, you know, very special and sentimental." Wait, Maggie, to did us. you snag that that short black trench coat? Did the I? Yeah, the one you were in for that second half of the episode. Did I that fall off a truck? I think I did. It's very it's cool, good. but I didn't Because that make one it. was that was particularly cool coat. Because it's it's longer than our regular trench that we our yeah. regular raincoats we wear. It's very, very, very cool. It's just always interesting because I'm like, man, that feels like Juliet. So like I love all my clothes, but I also know if I put them on. What you wear helps you perform. Is that is that yes. really true? Like if you, you know, you it sort of makes you feel like, no, I'm I'm really playing the detective right here. That's when I feel like I'm in. You go hair, you go makeup, and then you come in. You put on the wardrobe for me. I stepped into the heels. I'm like, okay, now I feel wow. like now, now I'm doing it. English actors would call that an outside-in technique. Oh, wow. versus an inside-out. You're fancy, Tim. <laughs> so I you, must have, you must have gone to school for this. <laughs> now, in um, I'm going to go so wonky here. In Olivier's biography, which, of course, I read. 
Of course you did. A couple times. Um, confessions of an actor. He used to say that when he knew how to, how an, a character walked backwards in his shoes, that's how he knew he got the character. Oh, wow. Which wow. is, you know, Larry knew what he was doing. Yeah. I love that. He also used it. to get nervous, so nervous he would throw up before every performance on stage. Who? Wow. Larry Olivier. Really? Yeah. Which, um, me speaking to me in that softball uniform, something was um, rather um, uncomfortable thing for me to wear. Because, I mean, I, I like the suits to cover everything up and make me feel a little more um, shoulder padded up. And So uh, to, have, to be basically in like a long sleeve t-shirt, and we've talked about omelets and stick arms. The fact that I was in that, that baseball <laughs> shirt the entire episode was You look great. Horrifying to me. You look amazing. You're so kind. You, you know, know what? I should have done. I should have done what, what, again, my good friend Larry Olivia did. Olivia was so nervous about his, about his skinny leg, his, his stick legs. He used to wear padded tights. What? Cause he, really? Yeah, because he, he did so much Shakespeare. He was always in tights. Okay. So he would put, he would wear like calf muscle pads and thigh. I should have, I should have um, put on some shoulder pads under that. No, and, and, I look and, fantastic. And, and, some, and some butt pads too, because I'm also in those in those pants, those baseball pants, which I did not quite fill out the way some of, some of the other actors on our show filled out. And I think what this is so important for people to hear, because people look at actors and think you must feel you're so perfect because you're so beautiful and so handsome and whatever. It's like there's a part of all of us that has that imposter syndrome, right? Like, yep. oh, people are going to find me out because I've got thin arms. Or th- I don't think it's so funny. If only you could see yourself as other people do, it would be the biggest gift in the world because our anxieties and our fears and our self-doubts, you would just have such a different perspective. Because I as look if at my you whole both life is my Instagram page. You're perfect. You're so You're sweet, Kelly. Perfect. You know, funny you mentioned that, Kelly, because when we, when we had those drinks in that bar at LAX, and I was learning how amazingly awesome you are. One of the conversations we had was about um, my weight because I was I brought it up and I was saying how I was trying to like to not drink too much beer because it makes my um because uh, the weight carries I carry the weight in my face beer or burgers or we were talking about something came about food and weight yeah and, and you very kindly were like you're so skinny and I was like ah no of course not <laughs> but now because I, I look back at these episodes and and I, I say this to my teenage daughters who you know look at Instagram like every young kid does and they feel bad about themselves. And I say, you know what? I look back at pictures from psych and I was, when I, I was always so concerned about what it looked like in my weight and everything. Cause I'm vain actor of nothing. Now I look back and go, my God, I was so skinny. Actually, I actually had, I actually had cheekbones there and a bit of a jawline, even in this episode. It's so funny. I, I kind of do the same thing, Tim, where like, I look back and I just think of all of the things I worried about all of the things I felt insecure about. And that's, I mean, I still have that fraud kind of imposter thing, Kelly, like, wow. you know, but it is crazy, you know, I, cause I think of how much time we spend in that space, in that headspace of like, you know, uh, concern, worry, or insecurity maybe about, you know, and, and, you know, when you're on camera and wardrobe and all of that, you're all, there's all, you're always checking kind of everything. Cause you, every, sure. you're fully on display all the time. Right. So Maggie, so I like, thought you were going to say, you look back at the episodes and think how amazing Tim looks. Oh, <laughs> that, that's the other thing sure. I think. Speaking <laughs> of softball, I just, I just lobbed you a softball. <laughs> and I hit it out of the park. Speaking Boom. of softball, here. <laughs> Let's go back to the yips. 
Yep. Wait, hang on. Chief Fake introduces the psychologist the cops speak to after their traumatic event at the bar, and Sean pulls her aside, asking if he could use a different psychologist, specifically a sports psychologist, to help with his yips. McNabb reveals that the crime scene unit found a piece of the man's hooded sweatshirt and a motel key in the alley behind the bar. It looks like his pocket uh, ripped as he was fleeing the scene. Lassiter and Juliet head to the motel while Sean and Gus go back to the bar. While there, Sean remembers the shooter was wearing an expensive watch, which proves he wasn't a junkie thief. Sean mentions his socks were also 80 bucks since he just got them with Gus's Nordstrom's card. <laughs> and in that, in that motel, O'Hara and Lassiter, or Lassiter and O'Hara, Bust in the motel room, full cop gear, guns yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Very lots which, of badassness um, in this. Yeah. We're watching in watching the pilot, which of course, sadly Maggie was not a part of. Boo. <laughs> there was a scene when um one of the I think Lucinda Barrios uh comes around a, a corner with like full ex- full arms extended for the for those of you who are not watching in the Patreon video. And it's like such bad gun technique, especially for cops. So, because that immediately, well, like, it was the I'm pilot. always, I'm, I'm sure always there was hyper no training. Oh, you, yeah, but th- this is why I kept like pushing for us to get gun gun training. Yeah, like I wouldn't have known anything had I not had like, I mean, we had quite a bit, and we'd even practice sometimes. Like, I, like, yeah, it's a, it's a whole. Pr- the professional way to do all of that is uh, like to, and to safe sweep around. That is 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 a uh, is no joke. And um, I love the fact that Maggie that you leaned into it because there's nothing worse than when people are like, "Nah, she's just a girl with a gun," and you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, "That girl's got to be pro. She's got to be downright badass." Think it, and Tim, well, you carry it, so that's yeah. that's Tim. But Maggie, Where Maggie I'm again, you, Maggie was like, "Hey, let me have hand me that um, pistol grip shotgun, would you? Let me try that sucker." <laughs> Kaboom. Let me try this one. Let me try that Kablammy. one. <laughs> okay. As Gus heads back to the car, Sean realizes that the shooter was deliberately standing in the blind spot of the security cameras. The shooter is much smarter than they gave him credit for, which means that the key was planted to lure the cops to the motel. Sean recreates the shooting scene by using salt for himself, pepper for Gus, sugar for Juliet, a lemon for Lassiter, and a cherry for McNabb. Sean then times the shooter's movements to the time frame of the song Happy Birthday and realizes the target is Lassiter. Sean calls to warn Lassiter, who is on his way back from finding nothing at the motel. As Lassiter leans down to pick up the phone from the floorboard of his car, a shot comes through his window. This was crazy. I got to point out that phone. Yeah. So Lassiter was rocking a Blackberry there. I know. <laughs> it was, Which, um, this was the early the early days of um when we all have blackberries. Yeah, I love my blackberry. I, I need to bring up the point about loved it. The point about Maggie Lawson. Maggie Lawson is the reason I finally had to get a smartphone. Because back back in the early days in season one, I was still. I mean, we're not doing season one now, but early days I had like a Nokia flip phone, and Maggie really only communicates by text. Still to this day, we, it's pretty much either a voice text. Yes, she should. We we almost <laughs> never speak on the phone. So I know my phone it, rings and I'm like, oh, it's an emergency. It took me like <laughs> 20 minutes to text a simple thing of like where we were going for drinks to Maggie. So I was like, I got to get yeah. a smartphone. Yeah. No, I made you get a smartphone. And I think I eventually, I think I went to a BlackBerry first. Because BlackBerry was like the ease of use of a BlackBerry mm-hmm. before the iPhone that we like yeah. had that kind of more user-friendly way to go. There was like the Palm Trio. There were a bunch of these smartphones, but like the BlackBerry was just so easy. I felt like it just had the text down immediately, the email down immediately. Like it was easy to browse. 
Yeah, oh, man, it's great. Listen to me. I still have a, a cardboard a shoebox full of like blackberries in my office that I need to sell or do something <laughs> with. I wonder if like psychos, some of the psychos are like listening to this right now and they're like, what the hell is a blackberry? Was that far on site? Blackberry. Yeah. Ancient. Uh, yeah. Ancient it's very text. funny. Yeah. And it made me feel <laughs> like a like TV a executive. It seemed like yeah. that's what all the executives always use blackberries so they could type. Yeah. Well, there was also like an email thing about the blackberry that was that like the iPhone, like none of those had yet. That was just, it was like one button, all your emails. It was just, it was easy. Yeah. I'm and like, then it totally, and this is sort of the destruction of our society. It made it so that you worked 24 seven. You couldn't get away from it because your emails were right here. It was really hard. It was really hard, but delightful because yeah. you didn't have to be back in the office to return an email. That was also like, great. So that's true. But yeah, yeah. it changed everything. It changed Or everything. I could be wrapped and walking in the car on the way home and quickly text Mags where we were going for drinks or asking her where we were going for drinks. See? <laughs> Which is all we ever text the other it's one. It's joyous. It's joyous. Where are we going for drinks? In addition yeah. to <laughs> I'd be like, Tim, Aww. what are you doing with your hair? It looks amazing. You're incredible. <laughs> That's all we did. That's all I we did. This team. Unless I, I was like, I'm... People wonder why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also be like, Tim, let's go shopping. James would be like, Tim, let's go watch a game at Joey's. And you'd be like, I'm going to go shopping <laughs> with Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway I still remember one of my right. favorite days with you was coming out of walking out of Holt Renfrew which was the kind of a fancy um, department store right near the Sutton Place Hotel yeah and I was wearing these um, when I discovered Rag and Bone Rag and Bone and I was wearing these sort of blue gray Rag and Bone trousers and you just stopped and went what are those and I was like oh, I guess I'm buying these you know who we can thank for Rag and Bone Mr. Chris Henze. Well, Chris, of course, Chris the style guru. The right. style guru was like rag and bone, rag and bone, rag and bone, everything rag and bone. And I was like, what is this rag and bone? And then it was all rag and bone. From yeah, that yeah, point yeah. Forward. yeah. Mr. Untucket, that was one of, that was I one of our, our first He's uh, the man that developed the Untucket shirt. I swear to God. And really? The store out there. Yeah, it, that was the big thing it, from the pilot. It was that he would untuck his... It was like half it, tuck, right? It was like half I, tuck. I think we call it the, the Hollywood was, tuck. The Hollywood Tuck. That's the Chris Hollywood Hensley, talk, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's what Stephen Nibbs called in when we interviewed them. No, that the is Hollywood what tuck. that's what's called the Hollywood Tuck, and it's so funny because I'm remembering this now too, Kelly. Where I was like, he, "That looks cool." He yeah, just looks <laughs> well, cool. that is Hensley. He, he is looks cool. cooler than everybody. Yes, yeah, always, always. But I think um, it's because he handled, he hung out with a lot of fancy feature people, and they were always yeah. on the cutting edge of what was cool, and he just like. But I think he's, he's always had he has such great taste. I mean, that was that's the that's the secret sauce of Chris Enzi is that he can look at something and be like, This is how it should look and this is what yep. it should be. And he's just such a great curator of that, I think. Yeah. It's funny for we for years, so Allison much. when I would tuck in my shirts, Allison would make fun of I was doing the tucky tuck. As opposed <laughs> to the Hollywood tuck. It's like it, it just basically looks like such a looks like such a nerd with my shirts tucked in. I still I still love the Hollywood tuck is still my my go to. I don't yeah. want to fully tuck. I don't want to be that structured, but I no. don't want the shirt hanging out. You want a little shape, but like still be cool yeah. and relaxed. It's it's all for it's all because of Hensy. It's all because of Hensy. It all comes from kind of royalty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Where were okay. we? It's the first time of the episode that Sean saves my life. Right. Yeah, that's right. And again, first what time. horrible, horrible um, driving that I. Get distracted by my phone, literally let go of the wheel, 
reach across the floorboard into the passenger seat floorboard. It's like, no wonder he crashed his car. Granted, he was shot and distracted. No, but I love the misdirect that you're dead. Yeah. But it comes back that you're just like, oh my God, and it's your car that you're upset about. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. By the way, he that just car got went right back. into a pole. He just got it back from the shop. You're fine. You're, you're fine. fine. Car. <laughs> okay, back at the police station, Lasseter is unharmed, but infuriated. He says a lot of people want to kill him, and he takes great pride in that. <laughs> yeah. Lassie wants to put, put away whoever tried to kill him, but Chief Vic takes him off the case and puts him on a 24-hour watch at the police station. Sean mentions the frozen yogurt guy is out front. Asking if he wanted to get some and then jokes that, oh, wait, you can't. Lasseter then throws his shoe at him. This was the cutest, most childish, wonderful moment. One of my favorite between the two of you ever. Sean, Gus, and Juliet decide that whoever's trying to target Lasseter is more likely someone he put in jail. As they're searching through old convict's files, Lassie keeps chiming in from the lockdown room. So cute, trying to be involved. Um, the gang then shift to the psych office and Juliet asks <laughs> who the elliptical belongs to only for Sean to say, take it, or, take a look at our bodies and judge this for yourself. This is such a great beat. <laughs> so Jules asks Gus where he got it. <laughs> Burn. Such a Ju- good, funny beat. Ju- I love that beat too. Juliet also mentioned she joined a gym and started a great motivation regime with a uh, uh, trainer, and he offers to teach Sean some tricks. He declines, saying he's not much for Tony Robbins' motivational speeches, but he's more a fan of his brother, Baskin. <laughs> yeah. That was a funny joke. Come on. Come on. This show is like funny, you guys. But I, don't, I, I don't know who pitched that in the room, but it uh. does feel like it's good. It's so good. Back at the station, Lassie snoops around, snoops around on his computer and begins calling past suspects, claiming they're responsible for his attempted murder. Back at the office, Sean realizes that their suspect is a local drug lord named Ivan Petrovich. At the station, Juliet tells Chief Fick who their perp is and secretly has Lassiter, has Lassie listening on speakerphone. Lassiter reveals that McNabb was with him too when he arrested Petrovich, so he may be in danger as well. McNabb is then put under a 24-hour watch, but after quickly checking his mailbox first, I remember this day, it explodes, sending him flying into the pool. Chief Vic is worried that everyone involved with the case is in danger, including Sean and Gus, who were listed as consultants. Yes. (laughs) The fun moment before that, before uh, Sage goes to his mailbox. Yeah. You 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 try to buzz him in, then you you go to his gate when you don't get him, and you start to climb over the gate. I know. Then he shows up, and he's, he just like leeches down and up flicks. It. Like it's totally, it was just a latch. He just does it's a quick latch and opens the gate. But so for some reason, lucky. because last, I mean, O'Hare is such a badass. She's gonna she's like so she's not gonna let some lock gate stop her. She starts to I go over the gate. I didn't even try the latch though. Come on, I don't By even the way, try it. Actually, note you do. Network was that McNabb was dead. Come on, that. that. That killed him, right? That, that there's no way that he survived from that because he gets blown up like thirty feet over into the pool, lands in the pool. But that amazing <laughs> waterworks shot in the pool with the flames yeah. as as the, I mean, I'm assuming that was as our snow performer falls back and hit my mic. Sorry, falls it back into the water. That's some that's some badass action action work right there. Again, that was amazing. It was amazing. Tony's uh, Tony's lineage of working for um working for growing up in the canal world right the, it, yeah <laughs> it was totally. uh, that that day that stunt that was it was incredible to watch like i remember we were out it was a, an apartment building in white rock 
And we were all kind of nearby. We all watched it. It was it was really elaborate and and, and wild. It looked so good. Like the way that I, it was shot, I thought it was a really, really, really good one for us. Okay. Right after you're you're in my experience with fire on the show, the fact that you stuck stuck around and watched that that oh I did stunt happen. It was that, very again cool. that just I, goes shows how badass and dedicated you are. Oh yeah, that was probably after that was after our Earth Wind and, and uh, Fire uh, Earth Wind and Wait for it Wait because, for it yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Gus runs to the psych office where he finds Sean running on an elliptical with a note saying, if your heart rate drops under 150, you die. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Gus calls the police, but it turns out that the note was just written by Juliet, who was trying to motivate him, and the beeping sound was just their lost phone. Their exchange about lethal weapon was, and uh, Danny Gilbert being stuck in the toad is very funny. Yes, so it's good. so good. Sean and Gus visit the police station, uh, but hide behind Jules' car and drop in fear once a sprinkler goes off, thinking it's Petrovich attacking them. Once the two make it inside the station, they run into McNabb, whose right eyebrow is blown right off. He even mentions he's missing parts of his toes. And he also has a concussion. But I gotta when say, he wears uh, Sage is so funny in this scene. Like his so funny. big old Labrador puppy yeah. joyfulness yeah. truly comes out. And I mean, that, I mean, it, the dialogue was obviously great. But Sage just knocked it out of the park. It's so good. He's very, 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 very funny and without like effort. Like he's just playing McNabb. It's so good. Um, he mentions that he, uh, he, yes, he's missing parts of his toes and all of that. But when he hears a tickle in Sean's throat, he goes, here I am complaining about this when you're dying of thirst. <laughs> just it's remember, so good. Sage is a part of our show because he raised his hand in the pilot to say that he believed that that uh, Sean was Sean psychic. Was psychic. That was the moment we that, need him. That, that was improvised. That really, I didn't said, know that. That's a guy. <gasps> I that's didn't know that, Kelly. Awesome. In all the stories we've told, no one told that story. hundred percent. The that, guy behind the bar was supposed to raise his hand, but Sage raised his hand, and I know that Steve was like, "Oh, that's that's some good comedy instinct right there." I I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Oh, I love it. Even if it's not, it's it's staying <laughs> as the truth for us. I remember the That's little great. the little teeny things, the little teeny things. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you guys, but I certainly wish that life came with a user manual. I mean, I feel like all of us can relate to that on some level. But unfortunately, life doesn't. So, when it is not working for you, it is normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It is convenient and accessible anywhere and 100% online. I had such an easy, wonderful, safe experience with BetterHelp, uh, from downloading the app to tailoring the entire experience just for you and your needs and what you want and to make you feel safe, which honestly I feel like is the best way to get what you need to get out of therapy is you have to have and feel like you are in a safe environment. 
Uh, as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. Really, it couldn't. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash pineapple. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pineapple. Okay, Sean mentions he had a vision about an old drug front that Petrovich used to use. Sean, Gus, Juliet, and Lasseter rush there, where Sean reveals a secret oh, door in the basement. Sorry, yes. I got to go back. So we're back in, in the SPPD, right? Uh, we you're, are. You're, we are right before we go to. Okay. You are. Um, you are. You're, you've changed in your civvies. You are back in in your lilac. You're lost in lilac. I'm in lilac. And Lasseter yes. finally puts on a suit, which I was yes. so happy again because we. I've never discussed why I was so happy to not to be showing my stick arms. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a suit, but I'm not just in my gray suit. I'm in a red tie, which guess what that means, y'all? It's in the Pepto drink family. <gasps> Chug it up, kids. Chug it up, kids. We haven't had um, a Pepto, Pepto drink in a long in time. Episode. We have a, Kelly, we have Pepto Pink as a runner on our on our podcast. And I've so heard. It's, it's a drinking yes, game. It's yeah. a drinking game. All right. Oh, and so. we just came out with a special new Pepto drink merch, right? We did. We just launched it. We just launched it, and we're going to model it for everyone very soon, It's too. fantastic. I've already ordered mine. I know. Me, too. <laughs> me, too. Okay. When they get down there, it appears that Petrovich's shadow is reaching for a gun, so Lassiter turns and shoots him twice in the chest. Oh, hang then- on. Sorry. We, 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 so you and I go in, in that shop in full tactical gear was... Um, I still have an amazing picture of us out, or at least me, anyway, out front of this great shot of... No, we have it. Yeah. So we're in tactical gear. Tactical gear. I'm in still in my suit pants. For some reason, because he didn't go tactical pants. He went, he's can't go too hardcore. But that was <laughs> no, I just, we, I remember, we have our bulletproof. Yeah. I just remember being on set with you that day and just us in our awesome vest and our guns and feeling super jacked up and cool. I remember it really well. Uh, we but, loved you that. Know, Maggie, your vest seemed short. It is a little short. I noticed that too, Kelly. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. So what happens if someone shoots her in the stomach? I thought it was supposed to cover the whole thing and it looked like it was only a half vest. I was not happy about your protection. Thank you, Kelly. I actually think I thank you, Kelly. I know. I, I I noticed that as well. And I do remember there was some issue with like the sizing of these bulletproof vests. And it was like if I went smaller, like it would fit better, more snug. But if I but if I went to like where it fit uh longer, right. it looked like I was like in some kind of like pillow. Right. Not a not a tactical vest. I do remember there was a I had a sizing issue. <laughs> I have a very long torso, you guys. And oh. uh it's a little weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm with you though, uh uh Tim. I loved love that shot of us going in and the 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 movement of our guns and like it's that very was cool. the coolest. Like, yeah, clocking in as you turn the corner. Yeah. You guys just you guys. You guys. We know how to dance together, you, you know. Do. It was exciting. Um okay, when they get down there, it appears that Petrovich's shadow is reached for gun. Yes. Uh, then Lasseter shoots him in the chest. Then Lasseter goes to personally okay. tell again, all of I gotta the families. Say, again, Lasseter just discharging his weapon <laughs> for no apparent reason at all. Like he's such a bad cop in this episode. Like not bad cop. It's just, he's it's so against policy. Everything he does in this episode. Yeah, different time, different time. Different. You know, oddly um, enough, you guys had great gun training. Nobody on our writing staff had good tra- gun training. So <laughs> they just well, it's police stuff. procedure. Make it look cool, was, you guys. Make it look cool. Make it look cool. It's got to be cool. Yeah. Someone's got to shoot something. 
Yeah. Okay. Lassiter personally tells goes uh, goes to personally tell all the families affected by Petrovich that he's gone for good. But Sean realizes that Petrovich had a scar on his hand and the shooter didn't. So the case is still on. As Lassie speaks to the press, yes. So, do, do we miss the the bit where the boys? We say it's all clear, and then no, there's no. I said there's nobody here, and then the boys come walking in behind us. Um. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a great line about how um, James says he was hoping the Daniel Day Lewis would be there. The who? Daniel Day Lewis would be there because he wants <laughs> yeah. his shoes shoes fixed, and his line is, "He cobbles, Gus." And you have, you have this nod and a smile, which is hilarious. So good. And again, that's that's not written in the script. No. That O'Hara nods and agrees and smiles no. in agreement. But it was very fun. It was a very cute bit between the two of you. Um, no, I love that. As Lassie speaks to the press about catching the drug lord, Sean and Gus bet 50 bucks to whoever can be on the camera the most. Lassiter yells, knock it off at them during his... Pro- oh, my gosh. This was so funny, Tim. <laughs> Which, yeah. in this in the press conference scene, when you all go back and rewatch, because it's a psych rewatch podcast, everyone. Oh, yeah. you got to look at the um, massive... Um, Pea-sized rock of a zit over my left eyebrow. <laughs> that took all the makeup they had on the trailer to cover up. Oh my god, oh, it's so like funny. there's there's a small golf I half a golf it. ball on my forehead, I which is there for the it. entire episode. No, you don't. See again, we, actors in vanity. That's the I first think thing James I noticed. James had like, one once that we had to digitally remove. <laughs> oh, I definitely know. I had a few that had that were like, guys, really? How will yeah. anyone be able to look at anything else in my close-up? Just Which so is awkward. That's why Acting number so one on the call sheet. Number one on the call sheet gets his blemish digitally removed. Lassiter does <laughs> not. Not. So not so much. Not so much. Conceal it. They just, they just it was pal- early on, Tim, when we had money and the network wanted to spend money. And it was before it was before anything happened with you. So it wasn't about call sheet. It was about the fact that we were flush. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, we don't have the money. Well, it was season four. We had to establish our, our handsome hero. Okay. Juliet rushes in and tells Sean and Gus that Petrovich had actually died hours earlier from a drug overdose. And Sean jokes that Lasseter killed an already dead guy. Sean asks if there were signs of restraints on Petrovich's arms. And there, there was. So Sean realizes that Petrovich's killer and the shooter, uh, the father of one of the kids who overdosed because of Petrovich and the gang rushes off to save Lasseter. They arrive to see Lasseter at gunpoint by the father in the son's grave. You are so, I, so I good say, in this scene, Tim. Salamachia is played by one of my favorite guest stars ever. Ever. The great Stephen Lang. How or good is, is he? Or is he asked to be oh called Slang? Yeah, he likes to be called Slang. You're so both slang so is, good um, in this scene. So good. He, I mean, he's such a tremendous actor, so he obviously raised me up. Oh, Tim, I think you guys were were right there for each other. And oh, it's like a, thanks, man. It's an emotional scene. It's like, yes. I forgot the kind of intensity. And like, I was really nervous watching it. Like, what is about to happen? Oh, it was so good. He is, he was great. I remember, I remember him so well. Okay, Salamaggia was upset because they only put Petrovic okay, away. Okay, got it. Got it. This is my, one of my favorite pictures on my phone. Oh, oh, yeah. So uh, good. So this picture that's of Stephen Lang holding oh. behind me, holding a gun to my head, which normally would think that's not somebody you have a favorite, but it's because I'm in a scene with Stephen Lang. Who is so good. He's, I, I you guys, I love the scene. Uh, I love so this I got to go back about, about slang. So, of course, I was a massive fan from Tombstone. Duh. Right, right. But prior to that, he played uh, Colonel Pickett in Gettysburg. And he's, he's just incredible in this movie. He's so talented. So I know, yeah, he's a 
incredibly talented actor. And um, there was a scene, I guess, he had to change shirts in the, on this day. So he was kind of in a tent. And I, for some reason, I caught a glimpse of him shirtless. And oh. um, Okay. Bring <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I'll say it. I, I'm going to spill my coffee because Stephen Lang is yoked, everybody. Like, he's a... Um, <laughs> Cut like stone? You no, heard it here first, He's cut guys. like stone. And um, <laughs> I remember coming in, like, I, I was so just aghast at, and he was, I mean, Stephen had to be in his 60s at this time, just jacked, yeah. muscularly jacked. I remember making some kind of joke in my own insecurity, like, Jesus, Steve, you go to the gym today? And he, and he stops, <laughs> de- he gets dead serious. He goes, oh, I go to the gym every day. Uh-huh. He's like, of course you do. Well, and if you've seen, Ava- oh, by the way, he's in that movie, uh, Avatar, that little movie, yeah. Avatar. That tiny movie. And uh, he couldn't join us today only because we got Kelly, but he's, oh, he's, he's on an international um, press jacket for the, the new movie coming out. Avatar, yeah. Wow. So um, in, if you remember him in Avatar, he's totally, he's yoked in that movie as well because he's a mili- plays oh. a military guy. So that's all, that was not CGI like I would have had to have. <laughs> Stop not, it. So yeah. that was the beginning of my, of my legit man crush on Stephen Lang. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Salamaccio was upset because they only put Petrovich away on gun charges and he was already out so early. He wanted revenge on the broken system and for his son. Sean tried to channel his younger self, who had a perfect throwing arm once, and threw the office phone at his fa- at the father. He totally missed, but distracted him long enough for Lassiter to break free and arrest the man. Which, Sean, strangely, during yeah. this fight, Lassiter's cuffed. I don't know when I ever got... He, was there a, he must have like made me cuff myself and early part of the scene because suddenly I'm like, I'm just, I'm wearing handcuffs. That's how I oh, kind of that's right. Down. I was like, oh, what but we don't, with that line must've been cut or something must've been cut. Why are you in handcuffs? <laughs> Wait, did we see that? Kelly, did we see that? I they didn't think- see him catch him either. Right. No, no, no. You know what that's I mean? True. Like, so you, that's that true. was all happened off screen. I can't imagine a Lassiter missing in a cafe shooting that many rounds or someone getting the jump on him and cuffing him like i, I yeah. it stretched my believability no because there's the shot where um when i come up to to sell it to sell a match and he's in the trunk of his car and he hands me a thing of flowers to distract me to, so my hands are, are full he's carrying a um a little uh plastic bucket of flowers and gardening gear and in that in that little bucket we see a shot of he's got a gun yeah cut to Lasseter having his back turned and the, he's got the jump on him. Yeah. There you go. So Lasseter was a little off his game this episode. Rightfully so. Wasn't he had a guy after him. Exactly. <laughs> the go. yips. It's the bad sucks. multiple characters. Kelly, that's why you're that's why you're the genius. Okay. <laughs> Sean then gets to meet with a sports psychologist to help him deliver a perfect strike. He did it. Sean is finally over his yips. So I have he a tells fun moment to prior build- to this. Sorry. Um when um I think the boys are leaving after we realize it's Salamacha. Uh-huh. They're t- they're giving a little background history on on his character of how he, yes he's the dad of this kid oh, who yeah. overdeed. But Gus is reading his file and he says he was also a twice he was special ops, twice decorated marine, which is why he was able to get the uh, jump on Lasseter. But this is, this brings us to a synchronistic moment, kids, which I've got a new phrase for it. I'm also going to call it a synchronicity. Sy- Instead okay. of serendipitous, it's a serendipitous moment. I like because, that. So Slang was playing a twice-decorated Marine, and Slang has a very popular, very successful one-man show, one-man stage show, where we travel all around New York, where he plays, it's all about Medal of Honor winners, where he chronicles the history mm. of these famous mm-hmm. Medal of Honors. They're not famous, 
but men who should be famous, who won the Medal of Honor. So mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, that's a little interesting moment. That's a little quinky dink. Sacrinistic moment. Love. There's plenty of character who's twice decorated, and he he uh, went on after our show to do this after our show to do this one man show about Medal of Honor winners, about decorated service people, service members. Wow, that's my fun fact I for the day. Love that. I love that you know that. I didn't know that, and I I love that he does that. What a beautiful thing. Um, well, that's it. That's kind of the end of our episode, guys. Oh, he then tells the, uh, him to build Chifik and call it trauma therapy. Gus then mentions that once you can do one move, another is tainted. So Gus throws the ball at Sean and he gets the yips on that. Sean yells for the doctor to come back. It was a very, very cute ending to the I got another slang story. Okay. So <laughs> while we were working with, with Stephen that day, yeah, we basically said, look, here's the deal. You're going to come out with us tonight. We're going to buy you a steak and you're going to tell us stories. And he went, okay. So cut to <laughs> <He did. laughs> James Dulé and Steve I sat next to him, by the way. Yes. Yeah, cut wow. to all of us at Joe Fortes and him. Joe Fortes. Chucking into a steak. It's like, oh, that's why he's so muscular because he eats, he eats steak. He also, I think he and Mel Damsky were friends. I can't remember the history there, but I know that when we went to dinner, I felt like he and Mel knew each other or had some kind of, so. and Mel was always there anyway, but he he was there that night. And I remember showing up, I think we were like coming from set and it was like Mel and Slang sitting at this table. And I remember walking up and I was like, oh, that's that's Stephen Lang. That's, we're yeah, having no, dinner I, with I, Stephen I Lang. I remember Joe exactly right what it was in Joe Forte's. It was crazy yeah and he did he just he was he was so gaming he told us stories he was wonderful absolutely wonderful um okay we have fan questions kelly do you have time for a few fan questions all right good okay then i've got then i've got a kelly question so go ahead fan questions hit it we have fan well we're fans so we can also say that just falls into fan questions because we're fans of kelly um all right (laughs) did the cast ever play softball together (gasps) Yes. Yes. Yes, we did. We had our own softball team. Absolutely. And I got to sub. I got to sub <gasps> for either one or two games. Somebody was out. And oh, wow. I remember James being like, I'm going to go play with the team. And I guess Sorry, I didn't hear you. Was this the else. writers? Yeah, writers. The writers had a softball team. And we went and played in like the valley somewhere. And yeah, we, I like want to say we, Park or something. Yeah. And we played, I want to say like Parks and Rec writers or we played. Yes. I forget something. Yeah, I think it yeah. was. It was like so fun. And great. I got a hit. Was I remember. Or was it so Scrubs? Was it Scrubs? Oh, I don't. I, I probably. I, I don't know if the I know one we I had the Scrubs writers at one point. Oh, well, I'm how curious! I was not invited to even sub in this game <laughs> or even watch. <laughs> I think I don't know how I did. Actually, so you have to understand a lot of us are intimidated by actors and thinking, why would they want to waste their time? And you know, now we know that you would have wanted to be a part of that. Weird game. Yeah. So and James James was in a softball league, wasn't he? Uh-huh. I think isn't that how that's how him he and um Jimmy became friends, I believe you said. Yeah. Yeah. There was a softball league. I played in a softball league and like it was also a writer's kind of softball league, but it was a it was a really random group of people. Um, not from like a specific show, but just like a bunch of people who got something together at that those those fields by Formosa, like the Formosa Cafe. Anyway, there's a long oh, time. Oh, off of La Sienica, maybe? Yes. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Park. That'd yeah. be Plummer Park. Did yeah, you just say Plummer Park? Boom. Uh, we know what we know our West Hollywood. We know our West Hollywood. Maggie, where we go. I feel like you would have played softball in high school. I did. I played softball my whole life. Oh, I mean, my. I played softball until I like moved to LA. But yeah, I was a pitcher, believe it or not, and second base. Yeah. I loved it. Wow. Who was the also best baseball player on the crew? Todd Harthen. Yes, Todd was yeah, so good. 
100%. James was excellent. But James Todd, was very good too. Todd was magic. Sorry. No, Todd, Todd, magic. Todd that's and why Saladin. I got to go. Saladin was spectacular. He was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I remember that too. Yeah, They're both yeah, yeah. really, really good. Okay. You know, yeah. I feel really sad that the writers didn't ask me to come play because baseball yeah. was the only sport I ever played in school. Damn it. And, um, we should have had you there. That would have been amazing. There was a very, not very pivotal moment in junior, in junior high when I had the choice of either going out for the baseball team or going out for the for the play. Oh. And oh. I chose which one, guess. Baseball. Of course. But anyway, baseball has wept ever since. <laughs> they <should> have. <laughs> <laughs> I was, baseball has wept ever since. I'll bet you are amazing. So, I mean, I, they could have had an amazing catcher or center fielder. Or you're tall, so is it first base? Yeah. They need that big stretch. I forget. It could have been. I just no. I was. They always had me behind behind the plate. Um, Maybe that's why wow. my crew didn't go further because they didn't have me in first base. There yeah, you, you should have been at first base. Then. With, with yeah, with that wingspan, I could have totally. <laughs> why does Sean rep a number forty four when he wears a sports outfit? I'm gonna take a guess. I don't know the answer to this for sure, but his birthday is April fourth, and that huh? is four four. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say maybe that's why that was his number. And I know isn't he a huge Titans fan? Huge Titans fan. Yeah. So there might have been a 44 there. Oh, I was gonna go with that, guy, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly I, I don't know that that I don't know the answer. So I'm guessing. I'm Which, like you. And I'm, I'm, I'm I believe I could be wrong. I think he's a Titans fan because they originally were the Oilers when he was what, growing Houston up. Oilers and oh, he's from right, Texas. Right, right. That's right. That's right. And he yeah. followed them. That is correct. And he's a huge Titans fan. He's like, like, uh, like a like tweets for them now he's all over the place i don't i don't actually know the role that he plays but i know he's like very involved now with the team which is so great um, celebrity endorser any, do it did any of the shirts from this episode fall off the truck god no i never wanted to wear that again i don't think so i don't think so kelly this one's for yeah. you yeah. how did kelly get started in the tv biz and what led to psych um, wow. How did he get started in the television business? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I'm just trying to think of like, like I'm going all the way back a thousand years. Let's see how we remember getting started. My first job, uh, in TV was working at a company called, um, Brillstein Gray, which was Bernie Brillstein and Brad Gray's company. And uh-huh. they did it's Gary Shandling show. And, um, they represented almost all the Saturday Night Live people and, um, and, uh, and I was working there and I met an executive over at Fox and they offered me a job to come work in current programming and current programming is an executive that covers shows that are currently in production. And so that was sort of, that was sort of my start. And, um, and I loved it. I, I loved, I loved current. It's what I do now. It's, uh, I work for DreamWorks, right. but, um, you know, uh, overseeing a bunch of shows and being able to dip in and, you know, uh, work with writers and talent. It's like my favorite thing in the whole world. So yeah, that was my, and you're so good at start. it. And we sort of heard earlier how you got to psych as well, which is like, we're so lucky. We're so lucky that it was you and Steve in that room together. And you were like this, this I can do this. this I can, I can sell. This, <laughs> this I can sell. sell. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's a very commerce driven business, but that, that of idea of like, who's going to get course. out there. Who's going to well, buy this? The, as we always, Dulé always says, we were talking about this. I saw him in Atlanta recently and he's, you know, Dulé is so smart. He's so smart because he, yeah. he fully understands the creative side. He fully understands the business side as well. And he really does. And so he always says, it's like, it's show business. 
And there is this business side that when you step into show business, you also have to know and accept, even as a creative person, even as creative types, you have to like go on, you know, what sells. And it it's a, it's a, it's sometimes I think hard for artists to totally accept, but like, like that's why we have people like you who can fully see both sides. You get the creatives, yeah. you are the, you are creative, but you also totally see and get the business side and you have that, like that intuition to know this is what will sell. Yeah. And yet our, um, our family is the, uh, the exception to the rule of it's not called show friends. It's called show business. Right. Yeah. But it was great. And and we're not just show friends. Like obviously we we've gone from show family to incredible friends, our whole group, including this Kelly Kolchak. I think what's interesting is that, and this is to me, the secret sauce of Julie Hill. It is the absolute genius behind that man. And you know, I'm just like the biggest fan of Julie Hill. Like, you know, yeah. this whole thing, I just geek out at all of you because you're just so incredibly talented. Dulé is an amazing listener, but he's not just a good listener. He is studying and learning from you when you talk. When I would yes. get be on set with Dulé, he was so interested in how are the numbers doing? Where are we at? Like, but it wasn't just like, oh, you must know about the numbers of my show. How are we doing? It was literally like he wanted to learn about that. He loved yeah. looking at those numbers and those reports and whatever. But yeah. he's very quiet about it, which I think is just like that's just his magic. He's an absolute student. You know, he comes he's to a everything. Quiet genius. Yeah. Yeah. He he's a quiet like genius. He yeah. Really, yeah, really, really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. What is the weirdest <laughs> exercise motivation <laughs> technique you tried? <laughs> I mean, I think I I definitely have once had like the the personal trainer that just like kind of beats you up emotionally a little bit. <laughs> um, it didn't work that well for me. You know, the ones Getting that are just at? like. A little bit. Yeah. 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 And like kind of really, really pushing you in the ways that you're like, I need to be pushed like this. And you're like, you know, I don't know if I need to be pushed. exactly. (laughs) I want to be loved. Just love me. (laughs) Just, just say nice things. And then I'm doing a good job. Um, anyway, I don't know what weird, weird motivation techniques have, have either of you tried? I'd say try, um, in the nineties or the late eighties, early nineties, various somewhere in there. Work in the counter at Johnny Rockets on Melrose on a weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a good motivation. Okay. Just desperately is, wanting a, to get out of the get out of waiting tables. That's, that's pretty true. good motivator. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> just think about: Are you disappointing your mom? That's not <laughs> <laughs> that would be it for me. Would this disappoint her? <laughs> I, yes, I, 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 that's good no, motivation, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tim, what did you want to ask? Kel? Those are all of our fan questions. So okay, we're... I want to keep uh, keeping the um, the new segment I came up with of and sorry that John Ross Bowie came up with our dear friend. Um, yes, Kelly Culture. What is your favorite Sutton Place celebrity sighting? Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. that's a good one. Oh, you know yeah. what? But she started our show. But I saw her there before she started our show. Jane Lynch. I was just a huge, huge fan of Jane Lynch. To see yeah. her in the lobby, I just I geeked out. I totally geeked out. Yeah, I love it. And she did our show. Yeah. Um, guys, that is our our Sean Gets the Yips episode with our very, very special, wonderful, uh, tr- true family member guest, Kelly Kolchak. 
um, who I know everyone has just been hearing so much about you because all of our episodes have uh, people mention <laughs> you all the time. So now we're oh. actually getting to talk to you. And I feel like we should have you back because you have so many of the other side of the um, other side of the of what we're doing. You have the network. You have the notes. You have all the inside scoop of what's going on that on in that way. And you're just an amazing, awesome person. We love you. And, and well, you're just an amazing person and we love you. And I'm really glad we finally got one of the female uh, executive producers representing yeah, on the show. Yeah. I have to tell you this. You know, I, I, I work with a lot of very young people who are passionate artists and amazing writers and all of this. And I have to tell you, they lose their minds when they find out that I had anything to do with Psych. And oh. I have to tell you guys, they grew up with this show. The show has gotten them through some really hard times. They got them through COVID. They look at it as, you know, we talk about us being family, but they look at it as their family. They own the show. What you guys have done and what you've put out there and the joy that you have given people, because you are the face of Psych. You know, we can talk about working behind the scenes. They love you. They love this show. What you have put out there the joy that you have given i mean it's such a gift and i'm just so so honored that you asked me to come be a part of the show and i just i had to tell you just how much i hear the love and admiration and passion that people have for the series um and so much of it goes to you guys so it's just so great well, to see you we would, i we would, you guys we wouldn't so have much. had that without your um without yes, your you great too. leadership you saw all of this before we did you know, you saw it, you had it, you saw Steve Franks, you saw this idea, you knew you signed off on everybody, you knew when something wasn't working, you fixed it. Like, you know, you guys, it's, it was the, it was the whole, whole team. And I, I, I feel like as, you know, we talk about Steve, but like, I feel like you and Steve were such a team and Chris from the very beginning with this, like no a-hole policy, keeping oh, yeah. a certain, a certain vibe, you know, so it started there and, and we just got so lucky. Yeah. So Kelly, there's something about you and the nature of your demeanor and as a human being that if any of us ever had a problem, we all felt safe ever, like just a live problem. We could come to you and you would be mama bear and take care of us. Always. Also such a mama bear that she was intuitive to know sometimes and stuff was going on even like before we were totally even approaching it or getting there yet. I, I mean, I know you, you would see uh, I remember you coming to me a couple of times and being like, hey, you know, I, uh, I I see what's going on here. And I'd be like, damn it, really? <laughs> or something. And like you would know, you knew even before I did. And it made it, uh, yes, as Tim said, like we just, we always felt safe. We were just such a family. We could, we could talk about anything. And, and that started with you guys. And well, remember, television is a team sport. That's what everybody yeah. has to realize. Nobody can do TV without everyone. I mean, think about it. This show had to be all of us pulling together and the fish stinks from the head for sure, you know, and, you know, Steve brought the joy and James and you guys just like embraced it. And that set was a joyous place to be, you know, and seeing you is such an elixir. And I know that this show does so much good for so many people. What a great treat to get behind the scenes of this delightful show that you guys were such an incredible part of. This and that so set would not have been such a joyful place without people like you and Steve and Chris set, showing us the way to go. 
Yeah, and, and I love that you mentioned the part because, about people saying how, I mean, Tim and I just did a, a convention in Salt Lake City, and I would say that the majority of, I mean, it was a couple months ago now, but like the majority of the stories were, yes, there were fans, but not just like, hey, we love the show. It was like, like our family binged this during COVID together. There were p new people coming to it. There were people who have known it for decades, you know, for as long as we've been on. Like, it's sort of like this show keeps finding new life and yeah. and and takes on different forms because it does have that kind of joy and the lightness and all of that. I saw someone post something the other day, you know, and I, I don't even think I realized it at the time that was after Mystery and Presents. It's the premiere of the next season. And I'm like working off somewhere just because of my hair is darker. And it's like because I went <laughs> through this traumatic experience. But like we addressed that in a comedra. Yeah. Yeah. on a show and somebody said like I love that I can watch the joy in this show but then also like the real moments that happen are also taken seriously and yeah. they're not just like like you know brushed over and I don't know I, I was like man we these you writers and the stories and like I, all of it we 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 are we were we are so lucky I mean we're and so the number lucky. of people like my friends Mark and Christy who reached out and said yeah. how this show in particular is Helped them all, helped their families get through things like chemo and oh, yeah. Alzheimer's and just all the yeah. all the hard stuff in life. Yeah. The fact that we are all lucky enough to have been part of something that makes that brings people joy and makes their lives easier, in addition to it gives them some laughs and entertains them, is not lost on any of us. Right. Yeah. Believe yeah. you me, psychos. We yeah. love you, psychos. We love you, <laughs> we Kelly. Do. Um, love you, Tim and Maggie. And we're gonna have you we're gonna have you back and um we can't thank you enough for uh, you know, bringing all this, bringing all this to its joyful light. <laughs> <laughs> I did say joyful a lot, but I meant it. <laughs> but that's you. You are naturally that way, as people will hear on this episode, even who don't know you. Like it's, it's that's Kelly. And um, Kelly, me. do not, do not change your beautiful silver hair. It looks fantastic on you. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I mean it. I thank you. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry this, 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 these compliments with you for the rest of the day. You've made me just. You've Thank filled you. my soul. <laughs> You've made us that way. You've made us feel that way too. Hey, what do we do on January 21st? Oh, we should mention this. Um, we just announced it, which we can talk about even more. We are doing a San Francisco Sketch Fest. We are so freaking excited. Go to the Sketch Fest website, everybody. Sketchfest.com, yeah. I assume it is. Get your tickets. And um, you can come see us live, do our, do our thing. <gasps> yes, please. Sounds amazing. We We're are excited. very excited to get to do this in front of a live, no, I, was yes. gonna say, I almost said studio audience. A live, well, in a, in a, a live cafe theater, in a live venue audience. Yeah. We can't wait. And we so, have our, and we'll our talk dear about friend, next time friend too. of show, Jenna Varney, to thank for that. Because Jenna, who started, founder Sketchfest many years ago. We're so And invited us to come up uh, during that um, horrible year of 2020. Yeah. We were supposed to do it then. So we're finally getting to do it, which is so fun. Thanks um, to all of you still listening and making us a popular podcast. The finest podcast of all Regal's podcasts out there, if I do say so myself. Good. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, love you guys. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. And we'll just, we'll have you back anytime you want. Bye. Bye. 
This was such a fun episode. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on the pod. And as always, uh, thank you all for listening to The Psychologists Are In. We love you so much. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at The Psychologists Are In and our Twitter at Psychologist Pod. And check out our Patreon for full videos of the episodes and more at patreon.com slash In. Oh, and if you are in the San Francisco area, please check us out at Sketchfest on January 21st. We will see you next week where we will talk about season four, episode six, Bollywood Homicide with the one and only Sendhil Ramamurthy. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.